Dr. Cottle and I, honestly, we've not known each other a lot of years. But the day we met, God knit our hearts. And uh, I remember it well. Matter of fact, it was at my son-in-law's ordination. Uh, Michael's ordination down in Georgia. And then uh, just months later, uh, Nathan's wife, uh, Michael's uh, mama, passed away. And I uh, went down to do the funeral. Of course, Brother Cottle was unable to be there. He was out of town and could not break his engagement. But he, uh, one of his assistants, Brother Hamby, was there. And uh, what a good good man that was. And we've just become good friends through the years. And you say, why? Because we stand on the same things. And I believe in this man. I, I do. I wholeheartedly believe in him. Uh, he's helped us. And as I said, we support uh, their printing ministry. Almost a million gospel tracts a year. We supply the paper for to get out to the mission field. That's like putting bullets in the guns that are already there. Amen? And uh, there's, there's nothing like getting to the tree and finding out you don't have any bullets for your gun. Amen? Uh, <laughs> Brother Scott, have you done that before? No, <laughs> we got the wrong bullets in there with the gun. Amen. Did that once, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, it's it's just amazing what the Lord's doing. Uh, can I tell you something? One day when we get to heaven, yes. men like Doctor Scott Cottle are going to walk to the front of the line. They really are. And I'm going to say something here. I love missionaries. I love missions work. I really do. But they say that missionaries are heroes, and I, I think any man of God is a hero. I really do. Uh, but really, a missionary isn't any different than a pastor just going to a different land. They have a little tougher go, but uh, their job isn't any different. And unfortunately, there's a bunch of them that think it's a paid vacation, and then they find out it's work. Uh, this is a man that understands that. And he's pastored. He's been on the field many, 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 many times. He now uh, oversees Macedonia World Baptist Missions and uh, just a tremendous job. Uh, only heaven will reveal. Uh, I asked God for this day that God would use Grace Baptist Church to change eternity. Yes. Yes. Now think about this for a second. We just raised from the faithfulness of the people in our church enough to support six more missionaries at $100 a month to help change the world. That's how you change the world. That doesn't mean we stop doing what we're supposed to do here. You see, if we don't keep doing what we're going to do, people on the field that look to us for help are going to fail as well. We've got to keep it going here. Uh, if we don't keep the home fire burning, the extended fire doesn't have much chance. So we've got to keep it going here. Uh, and that's what it's all about. Dr. Cottle, come preach to us tonight. Thank you, Pastor. What a blessing. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. Turn in your Bible, if you would please, to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, chapter number 4. And in just a few moments, I'm going to read just two verses of Scripture that I simply could not get 
away from while seeking the Lord's will for the service tonight. I am absolutely both honored and humbled to have been here during what I believe is going to be a historic day for the Grace Baptist Church. I really believe that with all of my heart. I'll tell you what I believe, Pastor. I believe today is just the start of what God is going to do as far as the outreach for world evangelism is concerned for the Grace Baptist Church, I firmly believe the best is yet to come. Amen. Amen. So I'm honored to have been here on this historic day. Cassie and I were blessed to have lunch with your pastor and your pastor's wife, Brother Mail, and uh, Ginger today. We had lunch with Ginger as well. I think she was a little more excited than everybody uh, to eat lunch, but it was a wonderful time, and it was just such a blessing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, church. Uh, for the comfortable accommodations. Uh, You have been so good to us, and every time the Lord opens a door for us to come by here, uh, you're that way, and we're just so appreciative. We are honored to call you all friends. I'm thankful for your pastor. Uh, I get a text from him every day just letting me know he's praying for me, and that means so very, very much. And I'm thankful for the day the Lord allowed our paths to cross. And then, Brother Anthony is a new addition since I've been here last, and boy, isn't he a blessing. And I praise praise the Lord for that. That's right. Now, that is what you paid me to say, right? Amen. I appreciate that. Don't forget to write that check, make it out to me, all right? But I appreciate him and his precious family. And then to get to meet his in-laws tonight, I understand you folks are from Pennsylvania. We'll be going to Duncansville, Pennsylvania tomorrow night. I'll be preaching there tomorrow night, two different times on Tuesday. It's an exciting time to serve the Lord, and Cassie and I are so appreciative. Well... I'll tell you what let's do. Let me read these two verses of Scripture since uh, some of you are standing. If you're able, would you please stand? I'll read two verses of Scripture beginning with verse 18 in Philippians chapter 4. And then we'll discuss the context of the Apostle Paul's writing throughout the introduction of the message. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 18, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I'll tell you what I felt impressed of the Lord to do. I want to back up and read verse 19 again. And as I read, I want to encourage you, if you would please, to read the text audibly with me. Can we read it together? Philippians 4 and 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I want to address a question tonight and allow the Word of God to answer that question. What is a missions-minded church? Now, some folks prefer the term missions-hearted, all right? Let's use that term tonight. What is a missions-hearted church? 
Let's bow our heads, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, oh, I pray as you speak tonight through the pages of thy word that each and every one of your children would determine to not only be hearers of thy word, but doers of thy word. Help me, I pray, I'm nothing without you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please be seated. Pastor, today has been a day of firsts for me. I have never preached the message that I preached earlier today as the first message of of either a mission Sunday or a missions conference. But your pastor and I spoke and I followed his faith and I believe God blessed the message this morning. Well, I've got another first for you tonight. I have never preached this message in the sequence that I'm getting ready to preach it. Now, let me explain by that. This message that I'm getting ready to preach is actually the second of a two-part series of messages that I preach usually on a missions Sunday. So I'm just going to give you the points of the first message while looking into verses 10 through 17 of this, the fourth chapter of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And then we'll move on to the last part of the two-part series of messages. Now, normally, when I start preaching this series of messages, I preach out of verses 10 through 17 on the thought, the profile of a missions-minded or a missions-hearted church. And I use that word profile because it is a word that uh, describes a set of characteristics or qualities that set the church of Philippi apart from all other churches of Paul's day. Now remember, this morning I preached about those Macedonian churches out of the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Do you remember that? Would you say amen? Now if you recall, those Macedonian churches were the church of Thessalonica, uh, the church of Berea, And then the church that Paul is writing to here as he writes his friends at Philippi. So what was it about this local church that again set them apart from all other churches of Paul's day? Well, first of all, I won't take the time to read all of the verses because we're going to spend the greater majority of the time tonight on verses 18 and 19. But number one, they cared for others. You see that truth clearly exhibited in verses 10 through 13. This local church not only cared about the servant of God trying to reach sinners, but they cared about sinners that stood in need of a savior. And so the very first characteristic of a local missions-minded, a missions-hearted church, such a church will always care for others. There's something else about the church of Philippi as well. Did they care for others? Why, they certainly did, according to verses 10 through 13. But they were also committed to the work of God. If you'll notice in verses 14 and 15, they were committed in their communication. 
And then according to verse number 16, they were certainly committed in their consistency because it was verse 16 that where Paul declared that they had sent once and again once and again, that's just like what you folks do here at Grace Baptist Church, amen. They sent once and again unto Paul's necessity. Why? Because they were committed to the work of God. So they were committed, they cared for others, and as a result of that, if you'll look in verse 17, they were ultimately credited with fruit to their account. Notice again what Paul said in verses 16 and 17. When he writes, For even in Thessalonica you send once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Every soul Paul won to the Lord Jesus, the church of Philippi had a part in winning to the Lord Jesus. As this local Bible-believing church gave willfully, faithfully, systematically, sacrificially to Paul's missions ministry, God rewarded them by crediting them with fruit that abounded to their account. And by the way, God's not through. They're still, they still have fruit abounding to their account. Yes. Even as I stand and preach this message tonight. Only eternity, listen church, only eternity will reveal the worth of the church of Philippi's partnership with the Apostle Paul and his church planting ministry. And therefore, because the church of Philippi, because they cared for others, because they were committed to the work of God, they were ultimately credited with fruit that still abounds to their account. And therefore, it goes without saying, as we consider the profile of a missions-minded, a missions-hearted church, we see such a church exhibited in the ministry of the church of Philippi. Now, that's the first part of the two-part series of messages in a nutshell. But tonight we're going to move on from considering the profile in order that we might zero in on verses 18 and 19, our key text tonight, and we're going to consider God's promise to a missions-minded or a missions-hearted church. Now, for the sake of time, I want to read verses 18 and 19 again, but do leave your Bibles open. We're going to be using them tonight. Uh, Paul writes in verse 18 again, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The promise to a missions-minded, a missions-hearted church. Now, I want to call your attention, if I may, to the fact that verse number 19, verse number 19 of our text this evening actually begins with a conjunction. 
And therefore we can ultimately know the truth contained here in this single verse of Scripture ultimately hinges upon the truths presented in the preceding verses of Scripture. The verses that I just call your attention to a few moments ago uh, by way of introduction. Verses 10 through 17. That is to say, God, here in verses 18 and 19, is saying to this local church that is giving financially, giving sacrificially, that's giving uh, faithfully uh, for the sake of reaching others with the gospel, because they care for others, because they're committed to the work of God, because they are credited with fruit that abounds to their account, now... God is getting ready to make them a promise. (laughs) And brother, you talk about a promise. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, let's not take the Bible out of context. Let me remind you to whom and to what kind of church God made this promise to. You do remember the context of Paul's writing again. Don't take the Bible out of context. Paul is writing to thank the church at Philippi for ministering to his needs while he had been imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. Let me remind you this evening, ladies and gentlemen, that this church had been faithful to stand by the missionary side when all other churches of Paul's day had failed to do so. Do you remember the message this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is one of those Macedonian churches that gave in spite of some things. They gave in spite of great affliction. They gave in spite of deep poverty. In fact, Paul singles them out in verse 15 of this chapter. Look at it with me. When Paul writes, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church. Can you imagine that? No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And so according to the word of God, the church of Philippi, the church that Paul is writing to here in the letter before us, had given to Paul's missions ministry so that others could hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, through this very letter, is commending them for doing so. Now, let me call your attention to how Paul describes this local church's giving. Notice verse 10. In verse 10, Paul compares the church's giving to that of a blossoming flower. He said in the first portion of verse 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. The word flourished is a word that Paul uses to picture a flower coming back to life after a cold, hard winter. And so as Paul begins to thank the church for their offering, as he begins to thank them for their sacrificial giving, he compares their giving to a blossoming flower. Now, look in verse 17. In verse 17, Paul compares the church's giving to that of making an investment. 
Verse 17, Paul writes, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound, watch your Bible now, to your account. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe the Bible. If the church at Philippi had an account, so does Grace Baptist Church. So it's good to know after we've just committed to give more to world evangelism, that we have just committed to give more to the Apostle Paul's, to the missionaries of our day, that God compared the church of Philippi's giving not only to a blossoming flower in verse 10, but he compared their giving uh, to uh, a, a church that was making an investment in the souls of men. Paul looked at the church's giving as an investment that would earn them spiritual dividends in the days to come. Dividends that would be advantageous to their own spiritual account. Now look again, if you would please, in verse 18. In verse 18 of the chapter, Paul compares the church's giving to that of a great sacrifice. Paul writes, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Watch your Bible now. An odor of a sweet smell. A sacrifice acceptable. I like this next word. Well pleasing. (laughs) Well pleasing to God. And when you dig into this single verse of Scripture, you'll discover that verse 18 certainly bears the language of the Old Testament temple when sacrifices were offered under the direction of the Mosaic Law. Just as those sacrifices as they were offered uh, as God instructed in the law were well-pleasing under the Lord, Paul lets it be known in verse 18 that the church's sacrificial giving was well-pleasing to the Lord as well. And therefore it is to this missions-minded, this missions-hearted church, this sacrificial giving church that gave in spite of some things that God makes this promise that we're zeroing in on tonight in verse number 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, again, I feel right at home here. I'm going just to preach really, really plain right here. I figure I'm leaving after the service tonight anyway, so I'm going to... Philippians 4.19 isn't a promise for the entire world. In fact, let's cut it even closer. Philippians 4.19 even isn't a promise to the entire family of God. Philippians 4.19 isn't a promise for the stingy. It isn't. It isn't a promise for the selfish. It is a promise... To sacrificial givers. It is a promise made to those who are involved in meeting the needs of others. 
It is a promise made to those who are involved in a purpose that is much bigger and far greater than they themselves are. And that, my friend, is reaching others with the same gospel that has forever changed our lives. Now, that felt pretty good. Let me preach even, even more to the point. If you're not a tither, Philippians 4.19 is off limits to you. It just is. Study the Bible. Don't take it out of context. If you are not a tither, then Philippians 4.19 is off limits to you. I assure you, I assure you, there is no place in Scripture where God has obligated Himself to meet the needs of somebody that would rob Him. God has not obligated Himself to meet the needs of the selfish, stingy, self-centered individual that has no concern for the work of God, no concern with reaching the world with the gospel. This promise was made not to the church of Corinth. This promise was made to the church of Philippi. A missions-minded, a missions-hearted church whose membership had a vision of not only supporting their local church with their tithes, but reaching far beyond the boundaries of their local assembly through missions giving by faith that we've read about and studied about today in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And so I'm very interested about God's promise to a missions-minded church. Notice just a few things. I'll share one true illustration with you and I'm through tonight. First of all, notice the source of God's supply. The source of God's supply. Paul revealed the source of God's supply within the first three words of verse 19. But my God. But my God. Can I say to you, Grace Baptist Church, God is the source of supply for the church that gives sacrificially. Not the bank, not the stock market, not the lender, not the multi-millionaire. And I realize God can work through all of those things. But ultimately, God is the source of supply for the church that gives sacrificially to make a difference In the lives of others. Now I don't know about you tonight. But I'm thankful that the source of our supply. Doesn't reside in the hands of men. Because if it did. It would surely run low at times. If not out altogether. But the source of our supply is the Lord. And as long as we keep giving. And as long as we keep reaching. Through our missions effort. God has promised. To supply all our need. So we see the source of God's supply. Notice. The surety of God's supply. What did God say to this local church at Philippi? The church that had sent once and again unto Paul's necessity. Well, he said in verse 19, but my God, here's the surety, shall. He didn't say might. He didn't say maybe. He didn't say hope so, think so, maybe so. Absolutely not. The Bible says, but my God shall. 
Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him amen, unto the glory of God by us. Titus chapter number 1 and verse 2 declares that the great, holy, thrice holy God we serve, He cannot lie. And therefore, since God cannot lie, if God said it in this book, then you can take it to the bank. You can believe it. If God settles, if God said it, that settles it. Amen. But my God shall, the surety of God's supply. Thirdly, notice the scope of God's supply. What shall God supply according to this great promise? What is the scope of God's supply? Well, to the church that is involved in reaching others with the gospel. (laughs) To the church that is involved in making a difference in the lives of others. To the church who cares for the servant of God trying to reach sinners for God. Uh, To the church that cares for sinners in in need of the Savior. He's promised to supply How many of our needs? Not our greeds, but all of our needs. I'll just be honest with you. I was talking to this sister before the service tonight. She was giving her own personal testimony about how God had met her needs. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's one of the reasons why I want to tithe and do right. Because it assures me it assures me that God will supply my needs. And how many times, Miss Cassie, have we seen the Lord do that? Time and time and time. Not a portion of our needs. Not half of our needs. Not three quarters of our needs. God has promised to supply all of our needs. So we see the scope of God's supply. But then finally, notice... The substance of God's supply. But my God shall supply all your need. Here's the substance. Watch it now. According to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now as you and I consider the substance of God's supply, we see two things directly from the text. First of all, we see the means that God will use To bring His supply to pass. He supplies our needs, if you'll notice the text, according to whose riches? Your riches? No, not your riches. (laughs) And not my riches. He, oh my soul, what a blessing. If I wouldn't so dignified, I believe I'd have to stop right there and say, Amen! I'm telling you. He supplies our needs according to His riches. Not mine. Not Dr. Bush's. Not yours. Because all of our riches, if we were to compile all of our riches together, sooner or later, they would run out. But God's riches never run out. That assures me that God could help you And God could help Brother Evan Barnes and his family. And God could help Brother Anthony and his family. And God could help Brother Scott back there and his family. All together, simultaneously, at the same time, and never even run low. 
<laughs> the means that God will use to bring His supply to pass. And then we see the master that God will use to bring His supply to pass. God supplies our needs according to His riches and glory by who? Christ Jesus. I'm going to share two illustrations with you. And preacher, I'm honest. I believe the reason God led me this way tonight is because you have led Grace Baptist Church into taking a step of faith here. I mean, you've still got a mortgage on this building. You've still got ministerial needs here within your local church, but yet you are leading this church to take a step by faith. And it is a step of faith. I was telling the pastor earlier tonight, I remember when I pastored my second church I remember when I first led the church into doing more for missions, just like your pastor has led your church into doing more for missions today. They would make all these promises and make all these commitments and I would get up just like your pastor did today and I would say, Hallelujah, we're going to be able to take on 10 new missionaries, 15 new missionaries. And then I'd go home and I'd go, Oh no, what have I done? <laughs> And the enemy would say, you are absolutely a fool. You're absolutely a fool. Oh boy, God proved him wrong. We seen the Lord bless in that little old work on a dead end road in Statesville, North Carolina. And to this day, as I stand and preach in this pulpit tonight, that little old church gives almost $200,000 every year. For world evangelism. And has Miss Cassie for over 20 years now. Figure that up. 200 grand a year for 20 years. Fruit abounds to their account as a result of that. But I felt impressed to the Lord to share this message tonight. Because I believe, I have no doubt, knowing that old enemy... He's already told some of you, oh no, what has Pastor Bush done? I'll tell you what Pastor Bush has done. Pastor Bush has opened the door for an entire different level of blessing for Grace Baptist Church. Two illustrations. First of all, I'll give you a biblical illustration and then I'll give you a personal illustration. 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah strides right into King Ahab's court and says, as a result of your idolatrous living and ungodly lifestyle, God's going to bring famine to the land. And you know, God sent Elijah to the brook Cherith, but after a while the brook dried up and God sent him to a little town of the Mediterranean coast between Tyre and Sidon, a place called Zarephath. Elijah comes to the gate of the city and there's a little widow woman gathering sticks there. And Elijah calls to the little widow woman and he says, you remember what he says? Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now there's a famine going on in the land. Water is precious, however, nevertheless, at the word of God, through the ministry of the man of God, the little woman turns and she goes to get Elijah the water. As she is going to get the man of God the water, Elijah calls to her again. And he says, fetch me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Then the little widow woman stops. And she turns to Elijah and she says, do you remember what she says? Has the Lord thy God liveth? I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And I'm out here gathering two sticks for me and my son. We're going to go in and dress it. 
We're going to eat it. And then we're going to die. And then Elijah makes to the casual Bible reader what appears to be a very conceited request. Elijah says, Make me thereof a little cake first. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And when you study that word things, it's speaking about the daily necessities of life. But make me thereof a little cake first, and afterward make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail. You know what that woman did? That little woman did exactly what Grace Baptist Church did today. She took a little and she invested it in others. And the next morning when she went out to that meal barrel, there was another handful in that barrel. You know what she did? She took it out and she invested it again. And the next morning, there was another handful of meal in that barrel. This went on for years to the point the Bible says that she and he and her house did eat. You remember what the Bible says? Many days Do you know what God did to that woman? I'll tell you exactly what God did to her. God gave through her to give what He would have never given to her to keep. What a great example of giving by faith. Personal illustration and I'm through tonight. Oh, I always enjoy preaching here. You get good preaching and you can tell it because you like preaching. I appreciate that. I really do. Personal illustration. The pastor mentioned earlier today that I was a pastor. I was for 22 years. I pastored three different independent Baptist churches before God led us to the mission full time. And you'd be surprised at the people that think that I draw some sort of salary. All of the directors at Macedonia There is no financial benefit whatsoever. We have to raise all of our monthly support just like our missionaries to China, just like our missionaries to Mexico and UK and Europe, all over the world. And so Cassie and I, they literally, literally put our salary, our last paycheck in our hand one Sunday and we started full-time deputation the next day. Now that was going on 10 years ago. And I'll never forget when we first left the church. I took Miss Cassie out and I had to explain to her what God was leading us to do. Now we had just bought four acres of land. We had just built our dream house. 3,000 square feet. I mean, we built it for a tool of ministry. We'd have the church over. and We'd have groups over. Four-sided brick. Oh, what a blessing it was. It was our dream house. But yet I knew to do with the mission what God was leading us to do. We would have to sell our house. We would have to sell our land and move closer to be at the mission. 
And so there's a little coffee shop on the square there in Covington, Georgia. And I took Cassie out and I sat her down and, and I began to tell her what God had laid on my heart. Now, I don't think it was a surprise to her. I think she knew all along that God was getting ready to move us. And we had been so involved in world evangelism and so involved, particularly there at Macedonia. I think she knew the direction the Lord was leading. But nevertheless, I had prepared a big speech for her that some of you men, you know what I'm talking about. You have to handle these things very delicately. And when you are getting ready to tell your wife, Honey, we're going to have to leave the church that we've given the last 12 years of our lives to. We're going to have to sell our dream house. We're going to have to put our house on the market, sell our land. You better handle it very delicately. And I knew I could not do what God has called me to do without her. I needed her to be with me. Couldn't do it without her. And so I began to wax eloquent. I began to explain to her, Honey, I have sought the Lord. I have prayed. I have fasted. And just for 10 to 15 minutes, it, it, it was picture perfect. Everything was going as I had planned. And I noticed about 10 minutes into the conversation, Cassie reached into her pocketbook and she took out a piece of paper. And then she reached in another pocket and she took out a pen. And as I was waxing eloquent, she began to write down on that piece of paper. And I thought, what is she, Brother Ant, what is she doing? Is she taking notes from my message? I mean, is it that impressive that she's making notes? Oh, no, no. She wasn't making notes. Do you, do you want to know what Cassie was writing down? House payment. This much. At that time, gas was $4 a gallon. See, up until that time, the church had not only bought my gas, but had bought Cassie's gas too. But when we leave the church, all those benefits are over. She wrote that down. She wrote down our electric bill. She wrote down uh, our insurance because at that time when I was a pastor, the church took care of all that for me. But all of those benefits are getting ready to go away. She wrote that down. She was real good at writing things down. Real good. I mean, she figured it all up. And when I finished my spiel, when I finished waxing eloquent, she turned that piece of paper around and she slid it up to me and she said, that right there is what we've got to have every month. And you tell me that we're going to preach the last message on this Sunday and the next day not know where the next dollar is coming from. And I said, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. And she said, you say we're going to sell our house. Where are we going to live? And I said, honey, I don't know. She said, you mean to tell me we're going to sell our house and you don't even know where we're going to live? I said, no. I know it's got to be within 30 or 40 minutes of the, the home office there in Brazelton. I'll tell you what. 
As long as you're with, you get us within 40 minutes of the office, you can pick. I'll live wherever you want to live. I'll live in a cardboard box. If the Lord leads us to do that, I just know this is the will of God. She said, you do know that the church supplies a vehicle for you at least ever other two or three years, something like that. But you're not going to have anybody supplying a vehicle. How are we going to do that? How are we going to $4 a gallon in gas? How, 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 how? I said, honey, I don't know. But I do know this. This is the direction the Lord's leading. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I'll never forget what Cassie did. It set the stage for the next almost decade now of our lives. She reached up and she took that piece of paper back and she tore it up. She put it in her pocket and she said this, well, I sure am glad that we have tithed and that we have given to missions all these years because we have a promise. But my God Shall. That was almost 10 years ago. We've never eaten better. We've never wore as nice a clothes. We live in a little old house built in 1927 that we love more than any other place that we've ever lived in our lives. God has put all the gas in our vehicles for a decade. God has given us vehicles to drive. I've never wore shoes as nice as the ones as I'm wearing tonight. And they're 10 years old. I'm telling you, I'm not preaching Philippians 4.19 just because it makes for a good outline. We have lived it, especially the last decade of our lives. And I'm here to tell you, church, if God said, but my God shall supply all your need, as long as you quit, fit the qualifications for that verse of Scripture, then I guarantee you, God will do what God said He will do. And so don't you let the enemy beat you up. Don't you dare go out of here and say, oh no, I don't know what Pastor Bush has led us. You better read your Bible. God has used your pastor today to open up the door for another level of blessing yes. on Grace Baptist Church. You've listened so well. Would you bow your head with me? My Father, in Jesus' name, Oh, as I've preached tonight, you've taken me down a walk down memory lane. Lord, I remember when you led us away from the pastorate. Honestly, Lord, I wish I could say I was so spiritual that I didn't give it a second thought. But Lord, me and you know that's not the case. And I wrestled. I wrestled hard with you over a year. But Lord, I just want to say in all, in front of all my friends here at the Grace Baptist Church, Lord, I wouldn't trade 
what I've seen you do during the last 10 years for nothing in this world. Thank you for being a God of your word. Oh, Father, Grace Baptist Church has taken a step of faith on this day. And this good man of God has prayed that this day would change eternity. And I believe it will. So I pray, my Father, that that new door of blessing would be opened wide. And that you would astound all of us in the days to come. As a result of the step of faith that was exhibited here today. And Father, for helping us. We'll give you glory. I pray as the pastor comes, you give him both wisdom and discernment now. And I'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name.